This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Good morning. How is everybody? Great. My name is Kelly, if I've not met you before. Um, and I want to ask you, when was the last time you had an invitation that you just could not refuse? An invitation you could not refuse, maybe like to a nice dinner or to see a film, maybe yesterday to go on turf. Did I say it right? I've only been here about eight years, and uh, I'm not going to insult you all with my Burnley accent, so um, uh, we'll just move on from there. But when was the last time you had an invitation that you could not turn down um, for me? Uh, I recently got invited to attend a spa day, and this is like... That is an invitation I cannot refuse. I understand for some people, not your thing. That's okay. Um, football's not my thing. Uh, but spa days, I love a good spa day. And um, so when I got invited to go to the spa day, I went online and just, just have a look at, like, well, what, what's there? What are the options? And, uh, you know, on the website, you know, they recommended bring in a swimsuit, uh, maybe a change of clothes. Uh, they, they said, here's all the options that you have if you want to. You know, you could, you could pay extra and, and book a treatment or a massage. But, you know, I just thought, I'm not going to do any of those things. So I showed up at the spa day and uh, didn't bring my swimsuit. And um, I just kind of stood there, fully dressed. I took a couple work calls and uh, had lunch and went home. No, I didn't do that. Okay, obviously, I did not do that. I wanted to make the most of the spa day. So when I went, and, you know, we went and we checked in, and they, they gave some advice. They gave some instruction. They said, oh, well, you, can, you could try out this pool, or you could sit in this sauna. Um, there's a lot of different types of sauna. I never realized how many different types of sauna there are. It's just a hot room to sit and sweat in. But you have your option of many to try out. Um, and then afterwards, uh, we got to have a lunch. They had to put on a nice lunch for us. And um, I've always said that I would never do this because it seems really awkward when you're not the one doing it. But we had lunch in the bathrobes that they provided. Um, I don't know if anybody's had the experience going into a spa restaurant and you're fully clothed and like there's people walking by and like their bathrobes, it seems really odd. But let me tell you, if that opportunity, that is an invitation you cannot turn down. I always thought I could, but I could not turn it down on the day. And we had a brilliant day because if I just gone to the spa and hadn't bothered to engage in any of it, I'm missing the point, aren't I? I could say, oh, I've been to the spa. Oh, I had a spa day. But I've kind of missed the point if I'm not making the most of the opportunities that are there, or if I'm not even listening to, to the instruction or the advice that was given to us by the staff. And um, we're going through this series at the moment. Uh, if you've been coming along for the last few weeks or listening on the podcast, you'll know we're going to, through a series, a series called The Devoted Life. And we're looking uh, at the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, and we're learning from uh, people who've gone before us and people who have, who have already run their race, but they committed their life to living uh, for Jesus and, and following his example. And I just want to encourage you this morning. So we've been going through this series, and every week we've talked about another aspect of a devoted life, what a devoted life looks like. And I just want to make sure that we all understand that this is an invitation. So what I'm talking about this morning, what this whole series has been about, is, is not a list of things you have to do. Um, even living a devoted life, it's not something that you have to do. It's your choice. 
you get to choose to be as devoted as you want to be. Just like I could choose to be as engaged in that spa day as I want to be, right? So what we're trying to do through this series and as we look through the, the book of Acts is we're trying to discover and learn actually what are the options that are available to us. Like what God is inviting us into is, is, a, is a full life. Jesus put it this way. He said living life to the fullest. He's not just inviting us to someday after we die, we'll spend eternity in a certain place. He's inviting us to real life right now. And we get to look through this book. We get to look at the lives of people who've gone before us. And we get to look at the example that Jesus set for us. And we can understand that this is an invitation. And you get to be as involved as you want to be. You get to engage as much as you want to. Nobody else can make this decision for you. Nobody's looking over your shoulder to see how devoted you are. Nobody's stood with a a little, you know, spreadsheet ticking off, well, they've done this thing today or they've done this thing right in their life. Nobody's doing that. This is your decision to be as devoted as you want to be. And I'm so excited to share with you this morning what I get to share because this is, this is, this invitation I'm going to share with you is one that I feel like in the last few years of my own life, I've really started to get it. I've really started to make the most of this this invitation to live a life that really follows the example of Christ and is an open life and a big life. And it's one that I'm really excited about living. So um, I hope that this morning for you is just another invitation to, 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 to live that bigger life and to step into everything that God has for each one of us. Does that sound good? Great. Okay. So we're going to read out of Acts chapter 8. And just to provide a little bit of context, last week, Bryony um, read out of Acts chapter 7, and where she left off was um, a very kind of sad ending. It was the, uh, one of the first martyrs of the Christian church, Stephen, um, is, is killed for his faith. And that, that moment, that um, event, kind of sparked a major persecution within the Christian church, and the church just scattered. So it went from being a community, close, probably knowing everybody, everybody in each other's business, one of those things, you know, and then all of a sudden persecution hits, and people's lives are in very real danger. So people have left Jerusalem. They're leaving the area, and they're going to new places. So we're going to start reading in verse 26 of chapter 8. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now see, Philip, you can read about him a bit earlier in chapter 8 if you want to, but Philip was one of the seven men who's chosen alongside Stephen uh, to administer food to the widows in the church. So uh, he had a bit of a leadership role within the church, and then when when persecution happened and the church spread out, uh, Philip went to Samaria. Now, again, if you have read much of the Gospels or you know much of the story about Jesus, you might be aware that Samaria was kind of like the rival, you know, for Jerusalem. They were not friends. They did not get along together. They didn't hang out. If anything, they were enemies to each other. But Philip goes to Samaria, and there in Samaria, he tells people about Jesus, and he prays for people. People are healed, and the church in Samaria is born, which is really exciting. But we're kind of starting after he does that. So it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, 
an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandik, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So we're talking about a devoted life. And one of the things I want to talk about this morning is that a devoted life is an open life. A devoted life is, is open to opportunities. Okay, so we've got Philip, who's already demonstrated this openness by, you know, he's, he's running for his life to Samaria. And while he's in Samaria, he's like, wait a minute, there are loads of people here who don't know Jesus. There are loads of people here who are sick, who need hope, who need healing, and I've got something for them. So he's already made the most of one opportunity. And then it says that kind of by the leading of God, by the, an angel of the Lord came and spoke to him. And I don't know what that looked like, but he got a clear direction, go to this particular road. It was like a really specific place, right? So he goes, he follows that direction. And then he gets there, and then another direction comes. And it says, go to that chariot. This is getting a lot more specific, right? So he goes over towards this chariot. And then the instructions stop, but Philip doesn't. The instructions have stopped, but Philip doesn't. Because he already knows what to do. He followed the instruction to a certain place, to another specific place. As long as, as, long as that guidance was there, he's following it. But when he got there and those instructions stopped, Philip doesn't stop. He knows what the next right thing to do is. I wonder if you've ever experienced that where you've made a decision, for whatever reason, you just know this is the right thing to do. This is the right place to move to. This is the right job to take. This is the right school to attend. This is the right church to be a part of. There, you know, however you might say it, if you're saying like God spoke to me directly and told me to be here, or you're just like, I just know this is where I'm meant to be. This is the right thing. Something is helping me work this out. Someone's guiding me into this place. And you get there and then you're just like, now what? Why am I here? Hello up there. <laughs> Can you use a little bit of help? I've done what you told me to do so far. What am I supposed to do now? Because the instructions have stopped. But I think sometimes we really do know what the right thing to do is. I love this quote from Erwin McManus I want to read to you. This is out of a book called Chasing Daylight. He says, you move forward unless God tells you to stop. You advance unless God tells you to wait. There are certain things that you do not need permission to do. You've already been commissioned to do them. There are certain things that you do not need a calling to do. You've already been commanded to do them. Philip knew he had something to share. He knew he had something to give. His, his, his eyes, his ears were open to this need. He heard this Ethiopian man reading the book of Isaiah. And he was able to say, hey, do you know what you're talking about? Do you know, what, do you know who you're talking about? Because we'll read on later and see what, what that man was actually reading. It was about Jesus, by the way. Spoiler alert. Okay, so 
Philip is recognizing this opportunity, and he doesn't need God to say, this is the man. Here's the sign. Here's the arrow. Talk to him. Say these exact words to him. Philip doesn't need that instruction because he knows what the next right thing to do is. He knows this is the next right thing to do. Help this person. I can help them. I will help this person. Serve this person. I can do that. I will serve this person. Encourage that person. I can do that. I can encourage that person. Maybe you followed to a certain point and you're waiting. You're just waiting for that next thing, that next instruction. But the opportunities are all around you. There's no shortage of opportunity to serve. There's no shortage of opportunity to show love to somebody. There's no shortage of opportunity to help somebody. And I think sometimes we make a bigger deal of it being the right thing, as in this is the one perfect plan for my life that I must follow. I think we make a bigger deal of that than God really cares about it. I think God's saying, look, you're in that workplace. Get to know the people and the opportunities will be obvious for how you can continue to serve and why you are there. So can I encourage you this morning? Can I release some of you? Can I free some of you from, from this kind of like, you know, enslavement to I need a direct word, I need direct instruction, I need, you know, I need the full picture. Just go for it. Just go for it. You have something to give. You have something to contribute. You have words to encourage. You have words to lift people up. You have connections to help that person. Maybe you can't do it yourself, but you will know people who can help that person. Can I encourage you? Go for it. Live an open life, a life that is open to opportunities. What is the next right thing for you to do? If you feel stuck, if you're in a place and you're just like, why am I here? Why am I here? Whatever setting that might be, just simplify it. What's the next right thing to do? Maybe it's just to show up. Maybe it's to speak to somebody. Maybe it's to reach out to that friend. Maybe it's to show kind. Maybe it's to offer forgiveness. I don't know what it might be for you. What is just the next right thing you can do? And when you've done that, just ask that question again. What's the next right thing that I can do? A devoted life is a life that's open to opportunities. And it's a life that is open to people. I want to continue reading here in verse 32. So Philip has jumped up and is sitting with the man. It says, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. A devoted life is a life that is open to people. So let's talk about this Ethiopian eunuch. Um, this is a man who's probably faced for most of his life judgment and had a real stigma attached to who he was. Because what a eunuch was, was he was a slave who'd essentially been castrated so that he was a safe option to guard the women of the household. And in this man's case, he worked with royal women. So he was a slave who'd been treated in this manner 
and there's a real stigma attached because of who they were and what they were. Uh, people would assume that they had low morals. People, you know, would assume about about what it was that they actually did. Um, and th- so this is who this man is. And Philip is taking time to speak with him. It says that this man was coming from Jerusalem, that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So we can assume about him, because he's Ethiopian, that he was a convert to Judaism. So he's already made the decision that he is going to worship God, that he wants to live according to God's law. And according to God's law, as a eunuch, he would not have been allowed into the temple to worship. So he's made the journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, basically to get to the door and be told, nope, no further. You can't go any further than this. Sorry, that's the law. That's, that's what the law says. And I was just thinking, I'm like, you know what? Even if this, this man, I don't know how long he'd been uh, a, a converted to Judaism. I don't know. Maybe he knew that that was going to happen. He might have known that was the situation because maybe he'd read the law. And he understood about himself. I'm not going to be allowed into the temple to worship, but I want to go anyway. But I was just thinking, on top of that, there's more than just that, like, you're not allowed in, isn't there? Like, imagine the looks he probably received. Imagine the whispers he overheard about himself. Imagine maybe even just the way that he was spoken to by people who were able to go in and out of the temple. And I just think, man, what experience is this man just returning from? He's made a massive trip, a pilgrimage, something that was really important uh, to the Jewish people to worship in the temple and he's not allowed to do that. He's not allowed to fully engage. And not only that, but I'm just thinking like that personal, man, just what is he carrying? Like how would that, how would that affect any of us? You know, even if you prepared yourself, I'm not going to be allowed in. But it's the looks, the whispers, the, the tone of voice you're spoken to. This is what the law was. And I would bet his experience was not a positive one. But here's the interesting thing. The lines around who's in and who is out are shifting. Within the church of Jesus, it's a completely different story. The lines have shifted. See, Jesus makes it clear again and again and again through his teaching and through his example that it's not about who you are. It's not about where you're from. It's not about what your history is or where you are coming from. Everybody is welcome. This is the example that Jesus has set for us. And no, the Jewish people are living according to the law. They're not living according to Jesus' example. But we are following Jesus' example. And we see Philip following this example. He starts in Samaria, you know, saying like, hey, yeah, these guys aren't really friends to the Jews, which I am. Like Philip would have, been, would have come from a Jewish tradition and then chosen to follow Jesus, becoming a Christian. And he stepped outside of those boundaries and shared the good news with the Jewish, with the Samarians, Samaritans. And, um, and then he goes on to follow Jesus' example here. And I was thinking sometimes we can look back at the church with a bit of like rose-colored glasses, the early days of the church. Why can't we just get back to the early days of the church the way it was back then? Because apparently they were all perfect. But let's, let's be realistic, okay? The church was still having major debates on who was in and who was out. At this time, Jesus set a clear example, but as usual, we are all a bit slow to catch up. And they were still having debates on, like, if you want to be a Christian, you still have to be circumcised. Like, this, these were beliefs and things that were being taught within the church. So Philip is standing out here 
as a real example that we can follow, right? He's saying, um, he's speaking to the Samaritans. He's reaching out to this guy. And he's, he's, he's open to this person. So a devoted life is a life that is open to people. Open to people that maybe in the past we thought would have been excluded or we might have, they might have received a no. But a devoted life is a life that is open to people. I think again of just Christ's example and how we follow his example. Not just his, his example of including and welcoming people, but I like to think of Jesus' example of like, you know, pushing the boundaries. Jesus' example of not caring about his own reputation for the, for, for the sake of other people. Jesus' example of pushing the boundaries on who is in and who is out. You know, he, he sat with Zacchaeus, the crooked tax collector. He sat with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. He welcomed the children. He spent time and he, he honored the Roman centurion. He welcomed the criminal who was hanging on the cross next to him. It is why, one of the reasons why he was crucified. It's why the religious hated him so much. Not because he was a nice guy, but because he kept welcoming and including the people that everybody else in the religious world had decided were out. And Jesus set this example of pushing back against that, of setting a new way, of saying, no, the lines are not here. There is no line. <laughs> it's not a bigger circle. Forget the circle. Everybody is welcome. Everybody can be a part of this. Everybody can be included. I want to look at another example of devotion in this passage, not just Philip's, but I want to look at the Ethiopian man's devotion. In Acts chapter 8, 36, we're going to continue to read on. We know that he has already made the trip to Jerusalem. He's taking time to study the word. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He's taking the opportunity to learn more um, from Philip. And in verse 36, it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? A devoted life is a life that leans in. Again, think of this man's experience, how he has been treated his entire life, and how he's been treated by a group of people who should be his family who should be his tribe, and he's been excluded by them. He's been turned away at the door. And yet he leans in. And yet he wants what God has. He wants to understand more of who God is. And he takes this opportunity. And they, they're just going past a body of water. Wait, what, what's to stop me being baptized now? Maybe there's a genuine question there, Right? This sounds a bit too good to be true, so what's the catch, Philip? What's still in the way of me actually being a part of this family? What's in the way of me being baptized now? I would say the answer is nothing. There's nothing. When it comes to making a decision to follow Jesus, when you choose to be a follower of Jesus, there's nothing standing in your way. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Where you're from. It doesn't matter what is in your past, what is in your history, what your, what your faith has been. Becoming a follower of Jesus requires nothing other than choosing Jesus. He meets us exactly where we are at. But you need to follow this thought through. Because then, to continue on that path and actually follow Jesus, 
that will cost everything. So to become a follower of Jesus requires nothing of you. But to follow Jesus, let's get back to, remember, this devoted life. To actually live the life Jesus died to give to us, it's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost us examining our prejudices. It's going to cost us letting go of our selfishness. It's going to cost us being aware, you know, letting go of, like, looking up. Stop being inward looking and looking around to the others around us. How can we serve others? How can we put others first? So actually following through on this, it will cost you everything. But if this is the life that you want to commit yourself to, you can start whenever you want. (laughs) At any point, wherever you're coming from, Jesus is saying, hey, you're in. You're with me. I'm with you. We're going to figure this all out together. But you don't have to get here before you can be in. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to think a certain way. You don't have to live a certain way. Jesus accepts you as you are right now. But to follow him, it is hard. Ask anybody that you know who has been a Christian for any period of time, and they will say, yeah, there's things that that have had to change in me. There's things in me that, that I've had to let go of, but it was to take hold of something bigger. It's to take hold of something better. It's to live this life to the full, the life that Jesus died to give to us. Nothing has to stand in your way. A devoted life is a life that leans in. So whatever stage you are at, whatever point in your journey you are at, whether you've been a Christian for years or you're brand new to all of this, can I encourage you, lean in. Ask those questions. Welcome that teaching from others. Be open. to When someone says, hey, can I help you with that? Be open to that. Take on that, that, that wisdom. Learn from those who've gone before us. Let's lean in. And then finally, we're just going to finish a story. Starting in Acts 8.38. It says, he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, I used to think that this was the extraordinary part of the story, that Philip just apparently, I don't know if I'm reading this right, disappears and appears somewhere else. I don't know, did he just like slip away like while the guy was distracted? I don't know. But I used to think, wow, what an ending to a story. Oh, wouldn't it be so cool to like be like Philip, to be like so um, holy and so spiritual and so just like right within the plan of God that God's like, now I will, I will lift you up and I will drop you somewhere else and you'll continue on your way. Wouldn't that be an amazing experience? And I have to say, I had missed the point completely. That's not the most extraordinary thing in this passage. Do you know what's extraordinary? This Ethiopian eunuch has been accepted and welcomed into the family of God. And he's not just been accepted to participate. He's not just been accepted to come along to our meetings and we'll all be friendly to you and we'll all be nice friends. He's been accepted and he's been empowered. The Ethiopian church traced their heritage and history back to this man. He went back to Ethiopia, and he started church there. It wasn't just, hey, yeah, you can come along. Oh, you still got a bit of a checkered past. Oh, you still got a bit of a, we're not sure about your reputation. We're not sure what's going on in your life or in your history. So you can come along for a bit. 
Maybe you should stick with me for a while. Maybe, maybe you can serve tea and coffee. <laughs> no. This man is baptized and released, and off he goes. That is the extraordinary thing, that somebody who had been excluded previously, somebody who had been considered not, uh, maybe not able to contribute. You know, this is, this, is, this, this is the way that this man would have been treated, and he wouldn't have been the only type of person treated that way. And even today, there are people still treated that way when it comes to church when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. Are you good enough to come along and sing, but maybe we'll just stop there. But we see in this man's life that he was devoted. He was leaning in. He was committed to following God. He, he wanted to be baptized. And he went on his way and started the church in Ethiopia. That is the extraordinary thing here is what God does in the lives of people who for, have no right, have no reason to be included. That includes all, that's all of us. None of us. Like what, like God can do it all himself. Why does he need us? He doesn't need us. He wants us. He wants us to be part of a family. He wants a relationship with us. He wants connection with us. He wants to empower and to release every single one of us. And if we are going to live a devoted life, that means following his example. And if Jesus could push the boundaries on who is welcome and who's included and who is empowered, then we should be following that example. We have to follow that example. Devoted life is an inclusive life. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.